Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone Rochefort and I'm joined tonight by Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable.com and Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. How are you ladies doing? <laughs> I'm feeling it. I want a good show today. No, it's going to be a great it? show. Totally feeling, feeling it. Yourself. Gonna feeling yourself. Feeling yourself. I feel like last week we gave the super caffeinated version of Rocket because <laughs> all of us had to get on a plane. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just found out today I'm like buying San Francisco tickets yet again last minute to head no. over there. Airbnb and all of that. So, so should oh. we do like the slow down version of yeah. Rocket today? Yeah, Rocket slow exactly. Jam. If, if, like if we did the cafe <laughs> version, this will, you know the slow food movement. This will be the slow the slow podcast movement. <laughs> I'm gonna put on some like some sexy saxophone and just like rock out while while we while we talk. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> rock out while we talk out. <laughs> um. <laughs> it was a bad joke. But it was mine, and I loved it. Um, <laughs> cool. I guess we'll just. I guess we're not doing the slow jam version. We're just going to jump right into the first topic, uh, which is around mid last month. There started to be rumors flying around about Sony offering an updated PlayStation, which has been kind of colloquially termed the PlayStation Four Point Five. Um, that would come out before the PlayStation VR comes out this fall, basically to update the hardware because the PlayStation 4 right now doesn't do 4K video. You can't do 4K Blu-ray on it. Uh, it has a lot of limitations in that sense. And then those rumors have been getting stronger and stronger with developers saying that they um, this has been introduced to them. And there was a Wall Street Journal report saying that this is a thing that Sony is going to release um Bef- yeah, before before uh, the PlayStation VR gets launched. And people have mixed feelings about this for, I yeah. think, very, very good reasons. Yes. Developers, probably first and foremost on the <laughs> list of people who have very good reasons to have mixed feelings about this. Yeah, no, definitely. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of... It's a it's kind of a mixed situation, right? Um, I mean, I don't think the PlayStation Four is really underpowered to begin with, unless we start talking about VR goggles added to it, and then it does seem very underpowered. So I don't know, like Christina, what do you think about this? Before I like get into hyper dev space, yeah, no, I was, I was going to say because I want to hear what you think. I mean, because I think obviously, and you can speak more to this. I think the dev question is anytime. First of all, as far as I know. And, and my video game history is pretty good. My, my, my console history knowledge is pretty good. I believe this is unprecedented. I cannot recall a time in the past when you have had a significant hardware upgrade to an existing class of product. Usually when you have a redesign and, and Sony does them, you know, Microsoft does them, Nintendo has done them over the years, um, what you do is it's to get component costs down and, and to make, you know, streamline production more. You might make, you know, there might be something that's slightly different. Uh, I, you know, what was the, the PS3, you know, that lost its backwards compatibility mode when, when, when that got its price down. Um, there, there are some changes, but I can't ever recall gaining something where in this case, according to the specs, this is going to be clocked at a higher CPU, a higher clock speed, um, a better GPU, 
and um, faster RAM and in addition to the 4K stuff. So I think that's interesting. And that opens up a very interesting developer challenge, which is how are you creating games for both consoles? Because you already have an install base of 30 million units and or, or more than that, and, and, and now you're going to get these other things. So I think that's – and that I can't wait to hear your take on. But then I think the second – And Sony far and away won the, the console battle when the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 were released. But I think the bigger question is if you do this – and, and there are maybe good reasons to do this. How are you going to deal with the backlash from those 30 million people who paid money for a console only to get this sort of refresh, you know, two years later? Yeah. Um, well, I, I just want to start off and say, as far as consoles, it's not unusual to put out higher quality parts like mid, you know, midway through the cycle. Because if you put more powerful parts in, I'm pretty sure the PS3 did this. Um, it lowers the the mechanical failure rate. Like everything gets to run cooler. Can you remember like increased RAM speeds, increased GPUs? Yeah. Increased- uh, well, not in a console, but you know the last uh, Nintendo 3DS did this. Okay. Where, okay. The 3DS. Um, can, that, okay. That, that. Yeah. You're right. The 3DS yeah, did. But it's but handheld is not console. It's just a, and there's a so so I can't actually think of a of a home console where we've seen this sort of change where it, it's not just that. And obviously, they would have to make these changes to support 4K displays. And 4K is a technology Sony as a company is very invested in. Um, but they're just upscaling it. Like, if you look at the technical documents, they're just going to be upscaling 4K. Uh, and I have to say, very often, a trick that um, developers use is when um, you're doing something, you're constantly trading off between, like, uh, draw calls, materials that you're using, poly count, bones in your, your characters, you know, VFX. And frame rate. And a trick that we very commonly do is you will downsample something to like, you know, 1280 and then just upscale it because the truth is video generally upscales very well. Um, it's hard for me, even as the person that developed Rev60, to tell the difference in the upscale between like a normal size iPad and the iPad Pro when it's just blowing up everything. So, um, I yeah, I don't know. Um, it makes me think of... I- I've been calling it the PlayStation 4S in my mind, but it's just not quite the same. Like it's comparable, but not the same situation because apps would run, you know, no matter, you know, the, the differential is not that big. But if you're talking about making far more advanced games, then no developer is going to want to make games that will just run in on this like beautiful 4K machine. But then is it just for VR games then? There's a really big trend, and it's been going on in our industry for a long time. So, like, think about Sleeping Dogs, right? So Sleeping Dogs came out on PS3 and PS4. You know, uh, uh, Titanfall came out on PS um, on Xbox 360 and Xbox One. Um, you know, for a long time, we've had these games, and we've brought them across a wide variety of platforms. So as you look at modern graphics engines, there are a lot of things that you turn on and off, turn up or down, enable or disable, depending on the hardware. So we've gotten really, really good at scaling things. Like, uh, you know, Rev60 is about to come in. I could, like, push a few buttons, recook my binary, and put, like, higher quality textures in it, right? So, you know, engines have been optimized for a long time to kind of take advantage of 
what they're talking about here. It's called mm. scalability. Um, so, and this actually leads to an innovation crisis, I believe, because what we end up doing is when we get new hardware, we don't invent new game types or really think about how to use the technology in an interesting way. We keep just turning up things to be prettier <laughs> and prettier, right? And, and Make hitting, the lights hitting, brighter. Make right. the colors pop. But if you look at the developer documents here, like they say that Neo games will only come out on, like they'll support everything. Like there's no PlayStation 4 game they're going to bring out that you can't play it on an older console. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think theoretically that could work. That's not a step that the new 3DS took. Um, But I have to say, like, I, I want to talk about the way these specs really look geared to address every issue in VR. And, you know, they've been suspiciously silent on what this means for VR. So, I mean, before we move to that, like, what do you all think about, like, the scalability issue? Yeah, no, I mean, it, I think that this would definitely, this would be a move in that direction, right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and I think you're right, looking at the, the specs, I mean, this does really sh- seem like this is saying this, is, this, is, this would be for VR. And I think that this is probably their best shot at really making a real VR play. They, they probably do need to, they're probably are, they probably did realize when they were developing the PlayStation VR, we need stronger core hardware. And what that just shows is that when they were in the development stages of the PS4, which, you know, was probably, you know, six years ago, um, the, the VR landscape wasn't really on the horizon. So they had to make changes. And, and I don't fault them for that. Um, I want to hear what Simone says, has to think, but then I, ha- I do have thoughts about the, the inevitable consumer backlash. So, Simone? No, that, that was pretty much what I was thinking, because, I mean, as long as people who, as long as, you know, developers' resources won't necessarily be getting split, like, that would suck so much. But, like you said, you have all the resources there if you can just make it be pretty enough to be oh my god through the words uh <laughs> make it work on the new console like that's fine but then and i i feel like with this news coming out i've always kind of appreciated the the half the salute the halfway solution that uh sony's come up with with the like extra box that plugs into the playstation vr and the console right that yeah. seemed just really smart to me as a solution because of course this machine that came out in god what was it 2014 yeah. isn't going to be powerful enough on its own to run the VR of 2016. Like, that's just not, not a realistic um, desire. So I've always appreciated that solution. Um, and this, I, I, I really wonder how long this has been in the pipeline. Um, so if this is the final product that they are um, bringing to the table in terms of making people's homes VR ready, I, I just don't, I don't know how I... How I feel about that in terms of the people who still have the original PlayStation 4 who are interested in PlayStation VR. So can we talk about the the exact specs before we get to the, the consumer backlash? Because yes. this is what they upgraded. Okay, so you've got the oh, they've got some proprietary name for the for the CPU, yeah, the Jaguar cores, whatever Jaguar that yeah. yeah, okay, whatever. It's a slightly higher clock speed. Uh, in my experience with benchmarks, that uh, higher clock speed matters. It doesn't matter that much. Right. Um, yeah, you know, the memory is the spa- is pretty much the same amount of memory. The throughput is a little bit better. Yep. So, okay. Um, so that's notable. 
in thinking about why they're bringing this out. So the throughput is better. So the, 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 the CPU is the same. What did they really beef up here? And this is where it gets interesting. The GPU basically going from you know 18 different processors in it to 36. So let's think about this. In VR, the central problem that makes it so freaking expensive is you have to draw everything twice for one eye. Yep. And you can't cheat it. Like, you, you really have to sit down and draw it. And you also, to minimize nausea, you have to um, prioritize draw calls at the center of the, the screen because that's where the nausea really is. So wherever you're looking, that needs to really be drawn at the best frame rate. So, you know, in between the two things that they really beefed up here, so throughput of the memory and, and literally making the GPU modified to work well with VR, um, I think this is very clearly a play in that direction. Like, I can't, I don't, because this isn't about 4K, what I'm seeing here. I mean, is that your analysis too, Christina? That is my analysis. I think especially knowing that the 4K will simply be upscaled, um, I think that yeah. becomes less of an issue. I think <laughs> yeah. that at that point, what the 4K comes down to is yet another thing they can put on their hat. And, and as I said yeah. earlier, Sony has really been pushing at 4K. They have you know, 4K content library they're trying to sell. They have a new 4K, you know, uh, Blu-ray player that they're trying to kind of get out. They have, you know, a bunch of 4K TVs. So this helps sell a 4K living room solution and say, we've got a 4K ready console. Please buy our, our, our expensive TVs because we have a console ready for you. But I agree with you. I think that really when you're looking at it, this is about making it so that you can draw um, VR better, you know, one for each eye. Um, I do have a question, though, when we just to go back a second about the, 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 the long term kind of viability and what this means about pushing, you know, but making VR a more mainstream thing and making this kind of go in, in that direction where it can kind of become um, what we're all kind of hoping it to do. Don't they risk, I guess, with having this product, don't they risk sort of messing up that opportunity by basically saying the best VR experience will be with this device, but, but having a lesser experience with the, with the existing market. I mean, because, because part of the appeal of PlayStation VR for a lot of people already has been that they've got this huge install base of consoles already and, and, and millions and millions of people already have a PlayStation four. And so it becomes very attractive for them to say, well, I can just buy the VR headset now they're going to be fast, kind of tasked with, well, there are two classes of VR. You have the VR if you've got the original PlayStation, but then the real experience that we're trying to sell and that we're excited about is only if you get this PlayStation Neo. Yeah. Yeah. How good will the VR experience with just the vanilla PlayStation 4 be? Because that's the one that most people will probably be experiencing if they're interested in PlayStation VR and they're just a casual consumer. Yeah, I don't... It's... It sucks because that totally was the and is I think still the huge yes. draw of PlayStation VR. I agree is completely. So many people could have it. Yeah, and it, I think it still will be an attraction. But if it is, uh, and we talked about this a bit, I think when we were first talking about PlayStation VR was, you know, if it is markably worse than like Oculus or HTC Vive in terms of like the nausea factor, and this is the first introduction, the cheapest entry point to VR, and that's people's first experiences having a not good experience and being nauseous, that will very much suck. Um, I've heard only good things about PlayStation VR again, but um, I personally haven't tried it. So yeah, I... I I don't know. It's it's definitely bifurcating that kind of w- what you're going to get with that product. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. I think to your point, Christina, um, I think the difference in normal PlayStation games and Neo PlayStation games, I don't think it's really going to be detectable by most people here. I, I, I would agree with that. I think that, that they're probably, again, like you said, they'll be able to turn up certain details, turn up certain things. And, and, and especially if you're watching it on a 4K display where it's up res, it'll look really nice. But I think you're right. And I think that, that some developers will take the time to tune that. A lot of them won't. But I think this is really about for developing your VR games, having a much better experience. Um, I do think though, but, but I, but I do wonder, you know, what this will mean for kind of the, the potential, how this kind of dampens the PlayStation VR story. How are they going to sell this to people? Because part of the big appeal of this mm-hmm. has been, if you've already got a PlayStation, all you need is this headset. How are they now going to, to explain to, to, to consumers? But if you want the really good VR experience, <laughs> you need to get this well, new console to be devil's advocate. I, is it, just like it can we compare it to PCs almost where you know you can play games on a PC and just I don't bump the think settings down and it's fine. I don't think okay. you can. I don't think you can just because the nature of consoles has always been different from PCs. The nature mm-hmm. the, 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 yeah. here, here's the thing, especially when a console first comes out. What was the PlayStation for when it came out? It was what six, was it five hundred six hundred dollars? It was four hundred. It was four hundred. It was four hundred. I thought it was five. No, Xbox was five. Xbox was five. Okay, so it's four hundred dollars. So, in fairness, that's not that bad for for certain things. But if you're going to make a five hundred dollar investment or four hundred dollar investment, mm-hmm. five hundred once you get controllers, other things involved. Part of the implicit thing of buying it early is that the games it will be the games will get better in the future because the programming gets better because the developers get better because they know the the software more. Um, you're going to get more features and 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 you're buying into an ecosystem. It's never been the sort of situation where you are you spend money early on on a product and end up you know feeling mm-hmm. getting the shorter end of the stick a couple of years later when and a very similar product that works with all of those games but with more advanced features and a VR headset capability comes out mm-hmm. like that's never been part yeah. of that's never been part of the the the, the thing with You're the not console gonna be gaming swapping up parts on your PlayStation that's never been, that's, that's never been the value it. proposition with console gaming I wonder if they'll work with GameSpot or something to like have a trade in program but I think I would say this Christina um if you look at Android, and I say this with all respect to Android people out there that are like, I love you, I got no problem with you using Android phone all the time. But I think that uh, I think the consumers have shown a high tolerance to like a kind of terrible experience at a lower price point. Ouch. Like traditionally, <laughs> I mean it's some Android is good these days, but if you look at Android 1.0, that was a really bad product in my opinion. And I I think that it's also a scientific fact. I can bring you to my office, I can show you a bunch of playtesting data with men and women. Yeah, I can show you that men don't experience VR nausea at the degree women do. So I do think that because, you know, I, I've never seen a gender breakdown, but certainly, you know, PlayStation has more men playing it than, say, Nintendo Wii U, right? Yeah, totally. So I, I don't know. I think... I think they'll get away with it, to be really honest with you. I think they'll have a lot of grumbling. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably ultimately get away with it, but I do think that this is a ballsy move, especially when, when we look at the console wars that have happened this generation, PlayStation definitively won over Xbox, right? Like, they, they came back big time. They, Xbox so, so totally dominated over PS3, it's not even funny, you know? Like, Xbox 360 was the console, and yet the, the tables completely turned with PS4 and Xbox One, and I I do wonder what this 
will do not for the Neo, but for the next PlayStation, the next thing? Will, will, will customers feel burned? Will this have a longer lasting effect that they'll get away with it this time, but people might be less, res- less inclined to buy a console day one or year one because you never know when Sony is just going to drop the updated version? I think it's also worth mentioning, I, I believe Phil Spencer has also um, dropped hints about Xbox doing um, an updated Xbox. So this could just be yeah. the changing face uh, of the market as we know it. Which, if that's the case, I mean, I think that they have to think long and hard about how long are they going to be selling these consoles and what yeah. sort of promises they're making. Because again, I do think the value proposition when you're a PC gamer versus a console gamer, you go into different things. If you're a PC mm-hmm. gamer, you understand that to get the best experience, you have to continue upgrading your parts. And you have to buy as expensive of a card as you can and, and, and tune things the right way. That is not the value proposition with the console gamer where the understanding is I might pay four or $500 for this console on day one, but I'm going to continue to be able to play the games for the next you know six years. Not in two years, a better version is going to come out, and, mm-hmm. and 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 I think the problem is is that it takes a long time for these for these consoles to build up good libraries. Right, we're finally at that point now where like you've got a great library of games for, for both of them, but especially PS4. I could just I all I'm seeing is and and I agree with you, Brie. I think they'll get away with it, but I can't imagine how incensed people will be who bought a console for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> and in six yeah, months, you know what I mean, and, and and then they're already hearing about the new one. Like what that? I can't wait to see how they handle that from a messaging standpoint because I think that'll be that that'll be a real test, right? How how do they handle this? How do they explain this to people at E three? Why are we doing this? Well, maybe they'll sell it to us with fireworks and possibly dancing people. This is this is the last thing I would say on this. Uh, you know, Simone, you were mentioning the box that comes along with the PlayStation VR experience. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what kind of hardware in there, but it occurs to me that the Neo, because it seems like aimed more at the VR experience, which I think is Sony's long-term bet for the PlayStation market being relevant, because I don't think by the PlayStation 6 consoles are still going to be relevant. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of the Neo is just um, kind of a different way to have all that hardware that's in the VR uh, headset kind of built into the console, and it's just a more efficient way to do that. And then ultimately, the goggles that you get will be priced lower. So I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. It occurs to me they could be bifurcating it that way. You know what I know? What do you know? This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. Maybe you are working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub. Then why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost magical. Add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, Braintree will support that too. Braintree's fast payouts and continuous support mean you'll always be ready, whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. See fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. To check it out for yourself, visit braintreepayments.com rocket. Once again, that is braintreepayments.com rocket. Thank you so much to Braintree for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Excellent. 
So before I move to the next topic, can I tell you guys a really funny story? Because I think we should use some levity on this. I think you will laugh. On this podcast before, we've talked about VR porn. Yes, yes, we have. (laughs) So there was a conference that was looking for an engineer to give a talk about this subject in the adult entertainment industry (laughs) and a rocket listener. Like told them about me as like it billed me as like an expert on VR porn. So I got a call this week from an adult conference asking me to come speak there on adult porn on VR porn. And I was like, you know what? Thanks. Um, I just I, I'm super sex positive. I love pornography. I think it's great to support your industry. Just can't do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I just can't do it. Career. Yeah. Yeah, um, that wow. is so funny. Isn't that funny? I'm oh like, I'm like, is that a good thing to be known as an expert in VR pornography? I don't think so. I w- I will say that we have had a lot of like cultural discussions about VR pornography, but what work have you done in that space, Brianna? Like, I've done none. Can you really <laughs> right. claim to be an expert? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I want the receipts. <laughs> Yeah, I'll uh, I'll put y'all on my resume. I'll put that the you. first few things that you got on my resume. So, <laughs> I will wow. be the receipts. That was a surreal phone call this week. I have to say. Yeah, got, see, opportunities just crop up for you wherever you look. That's true. They you just, just have to. Door. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So this week, Christina and I's dreams came true. <laughs> We were talking about this for so long, and then finally, like out of nowhere, Apple's like, "Oh, did you did you want that pink MacBook? Oh, it's here. Whatever. Like, pre order it on the site. Whatever. It's fine. It's here. We don't care anymore." It was weird, right? It was totally weird. Did it weird. feel like it, that for you? I literally, so I, I had a briefing with them set up for, for Tuesday, which was the day they announced it. So before I even had my meeting with them, my meeting with them is like ten o'clock in the morning. The press release drops at like eight a.m. So it's already written about. And then like, I, so I was like, well, now I know what I'm getting when I meet them. And I knew when I was going to meet them, I had a feeling it was about new laptops, but I didn't know the details. And in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm of course hoping that it will be a pink MacBook because, <laughs> and I looked up, I, I looked this up the day that the iPhone 6S was announced. I wrote uh, a, a little op-ed thing about uh, how, you know, rose gold is the new pink and and was basically like very superfluous about how excited I was for a new pink phone. And and in that article, I like bagged up. I was like, and with any luck, they'll release a pink MacBook. So that was in September, right? So here we are seven months later. My dreams have come true. But yeah, I, I was alerted through like a no no fanfare, no press release. And and even, you know, um I've got one in my hands right now as I'm as as we're talking. Um I've been reviewing it for a couple of days. My review will be up um probably uh as you guys listen to this, it'll probably be up on Thursday. And, um, yeah, it, it's a pink MacBook, guys. It's real. It's real, and it's fantastic. And so can we, if we talk a little bit about the specs of it, uh, our dear Ray Wong released. Uh, Ray, Ray uh, was he, so mad about it. I, I so want to talk Ray. about this. 
so they, there are improvements in the new MacBook. Uh, it is faster. I think it's been clocked. 25% is the number that people 25 are to 30% out. faster. 20, yeah. Well, 25% faster graphics. My Geekbench scores, and it depends on when you run and how you run Geekbench because you can get higher or lower scores depending on what you're doing, show between 25 and 30% improvement. Um, from from the from last year's um, uh, MacBook and the the ones I'm comparing against I'm comparing last year's 1599 model with this year's 1599 model they were both the review units oh okay, okay. so yeah. so that 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 and, and that I believe is the review units everyone got so that's just something that that people should know is that almost all the review units are the 1.2 gigahertz M5 um, Skylake versus the, the the base model which is the 1.1 gigahertz M3. Um, so it's faster processor, a better GPU. Uh, it's still not going to be great, but it's but it's about twenty five percent better. Um, much faster SSD, and and I, I was I didn't even have a problem with the SSD speed before. Now it's just blazing, and um, better battery life. And the battery life is is primarily because the processor is more efficient. Because this tends to be what happens, you know, when Intel comes out with a new processor, especially when they're in a second generation for something like the Core M, they're able to to do to get better power savings. And then Apple obviously is able to to fine tune software. So um, the battery life now is they they clock it at ten hours uh, surfing the web, eleven hours watching iTunes. Um, I've got I've been able to I got consistently. Um, I, this has been two days now. Um, eight hours with with heavy use, you know, during a review process. So um, it might might be lower than that if you're doing really heavy stuff all the time. There were certainly breaks involved, but I was able to get a solid day without a problem. So is slightly, it enough? That's the question, right? Um, I don't know. I feel like. I mean, Ray was complaining and invalid. You know, he wrote a story. You know, basically, like it, 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 it's not enough of a change. Um, last year, you know, I wrote a pretty glowing review of the original MacBook, and I called it the future of computing. And I stand by that. I do think that when we talk about a laptop form factor, so I'm not talking about Surface, I'm not talking about iPad Pro. When we talk about the traditional laptop computing form factor, I do believe that this is the future, and I do believe that this is where every laptop will be. And in fact, we've seen that over the last year. We've seen more and more Windows manufacturers have USB-C driven devices and getting smaller and thinner. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that's the future. Here's where I'm at. Even with the speed improvements, even with um, the uh, you know GPU improvements, this is still going to be a machine that for a lot of people will be just fine as a primary machine. If you're a student, if you are a business traveler, if you're not doing video editing or heavy Photoshop work. But as soon as you start to become like a real power user with this thing, this is really an ideal secondary device. So if you have an iMac at home or a Mac Pro, or you've got like your bigger, you know, MacBook Pro, this is like a great travel device. This is, again, I think it's a great student computer. I think it's a great um, machine for somebody who primarily is on the web all the time. But um, what I found from talking to people you know, who have the MacBook, and I know that you've gone through this, Brie, is that yeah. if you throw too much at it, it gets really slow. It needs to be restarted, yeah. and, and, and it kind of you know falls down on the job. I don't know how much better this is going to be. I have a feeling this will be a lot closer, but you're still going to hit those walls. And where I'm at with this is that even though this is an improvement, I, I'm disappointed not so much by the lack of... Um, an extra USB-C port, although I think that would have been nice, or, or even you know the, the the fact that this still has the very anemic 480p you know um, FaceTime camera. Um, I'm a little bit concerned, not concerned. That's not the right word. I'm a little disappointed that the price is the same. I'm a little disappointed that they had mm -hmm. an opportunity. I think here, I think that a year ago, I thought that 12.99 felt right for the starting price. I honestly feel like they should have come in at 11.99 here 
because even though there are, mm-hmm. are improvements, technology is caught up and laptop choices are different. And you are still making a lot of concessions if you get this laptop. But the, the big one being everything is, is based on USB-C. And there are more dongles available and more you know adapters you can get and, and more accessories. I saw, um, I think it's SanDisk who has, actually this is really cool, a USB thumb drive that is the USB on one end and the USB-C on the other which is really mm-hmm. smart. But the fact is, is that these ecosystems are still kind of being built up around the stuff. And if you buy into this, if you're, again, like a student or, 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 or a traveler, somebody who doesn't have a lot of accessories, you might be okay. But if you're somebody who, you know, is trying to be making this like a true MacBook Air replacement, there still are a lot of things you give up. And I don't know if, you know, 1299, that doesn't quite feel as right to me as it did a year ago. That was the the part of his article that really stuck out to me was re- and then going to the Apple page and looking at the prices and tears streaming down my face realizing that it is still, you know, more expensive than the MacBook Air and I I finally did get my I, my MacBook Pro for work but I was using a MacBook Air for like the ma- last month or so and you know still managing to edit videos on it and stuff and I am I definitely prefer the Pro but like if I if I were to get just another personal laptop for myself I think I would choose an iPad Pro over the the new MacBook. Yeah. Get the rose gold, um, get the iPad Pro. But yeah, like the, the price makes me a little sad, even though it is literally the most beautiful machine that I've ever beheld with my eyes. Yeah. And like if I if you handed me one right now, I'd, I would run off into the night with it and you would never see me again. Well, it's that much more expensive, too, because you'll have to get the RAM up and the storage upgrade on it. I've tried getting away with the 128. It just cannot be done, or at least I can't. Yeah. It starts at 256. Oh, does it this year? Okay, because I had to pay a lot more to get that last yeah, year. Yes, 256 so, and, and okay. 512. So, so 256 oh, is the well, base that's and 512. A, that's a big upgrade. Like, the, Okay, that's that's a good deal. But even then, you have to pay for Apple Care on top of that, which is, what, $300 for this? So, I mean, you know, Christine, I have strong feelings about this because I I travel a lot. I think for this last month, I've been home about nine days. Um, I'm hanging out again tomorrow. And, you know, I bought the MacBook because I give so many freaking presentations that I think it's worth it at my level to not carry around a big, heavy, you know, Retina MacBook Pro all the time. It it hurts when you're trying to network with people and you've got it with you all the time. Um, So I bought it and I like it. But I have to say, today is the second time I've taken it to the Apple store for the keyboard breaking. This really? is a known problem. You can look at the the forums, and I'm amazed Apple has not issued a recall on these. So what happens is you use the space bar, and it works okay for a while, and then it just stops ringing up. So you have to like hit it very, very hard to get it to register. So this is another week mm-hmm. of a machine that's, what, four or five months old mm-hmm. that I'm losing it for? Um, you know, in my experience... Um, you know, I have a Mac Pro. I have a very powerful Retina MacBook Pro for video editing and real work. What I use my MacBook for is Slack, for tweeting, for, you know, email. And my experience with it is that, A, it cannot run the um, the base Twitter app, the one that comes with OS ten that's free. Um, it just will not run that acceptably. Um, you open it up, it stutters. You do email, it stutters. Um, it's just not a very quick machine. And then comparing my Geekbench bench scores to yours, um, I'd have to look at that number again, but it didn't seem like it was 25. It seemed like it was under 25 for that model. So 
I don't know. Um, I want to love this machine, but I would be, you know, I, I would say I've started carrying my iPad Pro with me more on trips uh, because I, it's just the multitasking, every bit of it is just, it's more of a joy to use. I'm probably going to figure out how to wire up a professional recording microphone to it and just record Rocket on that when I'm traveling. Oh, I would so, love that. Oh, God. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, this is a stupid thing, but I just, I, I will spend money on anything when it makes sense. But I cannot justify in my mind spending $70 for the Apple USB-C adapter to give me HDMI out and power in yep. so I can give presentations on it. Totally. So it's just, I don't know. I think for all those reasons, I, I want to love this machine, but I just don't love it in practice. So Yeah, I mean, I like a lot of parts of it. And I do think that you're right. Like the fact that you need to get an adapter where you can have both power and HDMI at the same time is a problem. I mean, they sell that adapter, but it's expensive and other people make adapters and stuff. But the fact that you've got to have that in your bag with you is frustrating. I think that... Um, I would have loved to have seen them come out with a second USB-C port on it. I was not expecting that, but it would have been great because I feel like they're going to have to do that eventually because one port is just not enough. I think for some of their users, it is. And if you are truly going after students or people like my mom, this is the perfect laptop for my mom. That's great. The problem is, is that the price point is not like my mom needs a new laptop. I, I want her to get a rose gold one or a gold one. I think she'll love it. But I don't know if I want to tell her to spend $1,300 on it when, you know, she could get a MacBook Pro for, you know what I mean, about the same price. It's 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 a hard, it, again, that's where the price comes into play. But you're right. I mean, it does kind of become a, uh, it's ironic that like business people, rich business people are really their target demographic with this and then people who want to show off um, and, 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 and people like me who really just want a pink laptop at all costs. <laughs> um, but, but the fact that, you know, you've got to have a, a 50 or $60 dongle just so you can have it plugged into the wall and plugged into a presentation at the same time. I mean, in fairness, yeah. I do feel like their battery life is good enough and the, the fanless design is good enough that for, unless your presentation is, is really, really long, you probably are okay to just have it plugged into HDMI. But that still means you have to get an HDMI adapter. You know what I mean? So you've got to have a dongle yeah, There's no Apple. The cheapest you can have this plugged into a presentation is if they have HDMI or DisplayPort, which is pretty rare on the road, Right. Um, and you know, for $70 and you're right, there are off brand ones for 50, but it's just, do you know what I mean? Like even by Apple standards, that just seems stupid. <laughs> it just seems ridiculous. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, it's interesting to see they were, they were showing us, you know, some of the, 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 the broader ecosystem of those things, but obviously Apple wants to push their own dongles. And, and I know that companies have come up with some really good, you know, kind of, um, you know, dongle things. OWC had one, and 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 there've been some other companies that have come up with some interesting kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, what, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, docking station sorts of things. But yeah, the fact that you have to get one of those, you know, adds into the in, into the ultra cost, and and that becomes a trade off. And I think there there are some people who I, I've had kind of this conversation with Lance Ulanoff, who who was also briefed and. And he, I think, doesn't see the dongle, you know, hell as much as, as Ray and I do and as you do, because he feels like the, the, 
where they're going is that eventually you won't need these accessories anyway. And I think he's right, but we're not there yet. Like in a perfect world, the presentation where that you're giving, they would have an Apple TV and you could airplay it. That In a perfect world, that would mm. work. But that's not where we're at now. That's not a world that's going to exist in the next five years. It's just not. You know, I still have to carry a VGA and uh, DVI adapter in my bag just in case. And I know anyone that's a pro does too. So... I don't know. It's, it's, you know, if they've solved the speed problem this year, I mean, if you can open it up and if Twitter's crappy, terrible, horrible Twitter client <laughs> will actually work on it and you can like open up mail without watching it stutter and, and fail every time you open up a new email to type, that to me is enough of an upgrade. Like I've sat on Rocket many times. I want to sell my old one and upgrade this year. Um, but in between that and like this, this known issue with the keyboard where I'm taking it back again, like that's the big deal to me. I got used to the keyboard. I've actually come to prefer it versus the the regular. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's hard to get used to it. Once you do, it's like natural scrolling. It it, it is. I think the, the bigger keycaps for me is what really does it. Yeah. Um, but I just, since this, you can look on the Apple forums and see all the people with the spacebar issue. Like this is a constant problem with this model. So I hope they fixed it this year, you know? Yeah, I hope so too. Um, I mean, one of those things I haven't had enough, you know, even any reviewed period testing, unless you had get one this defective, you're not going to find that problem. Mash, mash it, mash it, mash it. (laughs) Just mash it, mash it, mash it, mash it again. (laughs) Punch it. Just face plant right on your laptop. Apple will understand. <laughs> so yeah, any final thoughts about the, the the new MacBook that we love but are disappointed by? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I'm disappointed by it. It's just, it's, I mean, they, they came up with a really good product that I mm. think we all really want to be the, the one laptop we can use. And I think the disappointing thing is the reality that this is not the one laptop we can all use yet. We're so close we're we're so close to that point where this could be everybody's main machine, but we're not quite there yet. I do have a feeling, though, that I'm hoping that what will probably happen. I mean, I'm glad we finally got Skylake. That's one thing I am very happy mm-hmm. about. It took them long enough. I, <laughs> I hope that we maybe see a redesign or some sort of refresh in um, June uh, for, for for the MacBook Pros. And I would like to see if maybe they were able to get it slimmed down. It will, obviously, it won't be as thin and add some USB-C onto that, that would be interesting. Ooh, yeah. So speaking, remaining on the Apple topic, do you want to tell us about your trip last week? Yeah. And the (laughs) resulting article? The resulting article? (laughs) Which is long and well-spoken and complex. It was so long. It was so long, you guys. And that was after I cut 400 words. Oh, my God, God. Christina. So What's the final word count? uh, Twenty. 400 was was what was published you've written a small a a short story here tell us what you did it's very exciting yeah it was very exciting so the reason we had to cut our show short last week was because i had to get on an airplane and i had to fly out to uh to cupertino and um me and and a number of other journalists and and analysts uh, met with apple um and they had a security roundtable where some of their senior engineers i can't say who they were but i can say they were senior talked about their approach to security. And basically I got like a three hour deep dive into how they approach security on the iPhone and in iOS. And it was incredibly fascinating. And I feel like I came away with a lot more, A, I had a lot more respect for what the organization does and, and a lot more understanding about how their security really is kind of integral to their, to their process. 
Um, it was obviously done with the elephant in the room being the Apple FBI case and, and, and kind of the ongoing cases. But, you know, they were very adamant about the fact that the threat that they see to consumers as hackers and not the government. And when you look at the security decisions they've made, a lot of those decisions are come through where, where they're going after, um, the, uh, you know, ways we, the, the vectors to get in through, through hackers. You know, those are the people they're fighting, not, not necessarily government entities. And, and so I think that that's an interesting thing to kind of consider. Now, how will maybe things change in the future? I don't know. And, 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 and no one there was willing to, to, to speak or speculate on that. But I did believe them, you know, at their word where they're, where they're, you know, obviously they, they care about, you know, personal privacy and that sort of thing. They think that we're all safer as, 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 um, as a society when we have good, you know, data protection and, and, and good security. Um, but, you know, I think that they do fundamentally see their biggest threat is, is, is all the hackers that are out there that are, that frankly, you know, have huge money targets for, for finding exploits and, and finding ways in, into iOS and, and into the iPhone. Yeah. My, the, the thing that I was, that I, I like to, the message that I took away from it that I most appreciated was this idea that um, security isn't an end state. It's an ever evolving, like soft nebulous thing that they are always exactly. striving towards. I think that message is so important, um, both just in terms of it being realistic and in terms of keeping our expectations realistic. Um, and it, it just makes me, it gives me confidence, of course, that they are, that they know what they are dealing with by acknowledging that, you know, anything could happen and we don't always know what we're dealing with, that it's so like ever changing out there. No, definitely. I mean, I think that was one of the things that one of the senior engineers said, he said, you know, uh, the security is dynamic, not static. And and that they're very aware of that. And, and they're very cognizant of the fact that they don't always have, you know, everything's not always perfect. And that's why they issue updates. And that was one of the things I thought that was really one of the big takeaways, I think, and, and this is, I think, probably their greatest strength as an organization, putting aside what else, what they do to, to secure the OS, the OS and what they do to secure, you know, the hardware. Um, one of the biggest advantages that they have over basically any other company out there is that they have been able to successfully get people to install updates because, mm-hmm. you know, none of this stuff matters. This is what, what one of the engineers said. You know, none of this stuff matters if users won't install updates doesn't matter how secure you can make things if people are still using old versions of software. And that's a challenge that we the computer companies and software companies have been facing for decades. You know, Microsoft has run into this, obviously. And, you know, um, I think Chrome as a, as a, as a program on, on, on um, you know, Mac and, and, and Windows has a nice solution doing its auto updates in the background. But they did that, I think, because they realized how important it is to always have a secure operating system or not a secure mm-hmm. operating system, but always have a secure web browser because the web browser, kind of like a mobile phone OS, is such a huge vector for hackers to want to attack. So, you know, they kind of realize that, that people aren't going to update their browsers the, the same way, you know, that they might, you know, fire people use old versions of Firefox or old versions of Internet Explorer. And one of the big things when Chrome came out in 2008, you know, one of its big uh, you know, unique selling features was that it did these auto updates, and and I think that Apple, even though um, you can turn on auto updates, that's not how it. It's, it's not like it's going to do it without you know the user have you know granting permission. They've managed to get eighty percent of their of their users on i on the on iOS nine, and that's really impressive. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when you look at where Android is, and 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 you know only four point six percent of users are running the latest version of Android, and and that's for a lot of reasons. You know, most we've talked about them on this show before. Um, you know, Android 
is 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 difficult because you have you know the the and the Google release who they they release the patches and the security updates and they release them to all the OEMs who then can roll them into their own you know versions that have their mm-hmm. own skins and their own customized you know apps for carriers and whatnot and then those have to be issued to the carriers and the carriers have to do the testing and then they get to the users and a lot of times carriers and OEMs are like well you know what we haven't sold this phone in two years so we don't really care about issuing updates anymore but the problem with that is that you have a, a vulnerability like stage fright which you know was kind of like you know um, poisoned us messaging that could do some nasty mm-hmm. stuff where Google fixed that very quickly but many many yeah, many, nobody many got the update precisely <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that's exactly the sort of thing that Apple adds in a unique situation um, because they control the hardware and the software and in 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 by controlling the hardware it's not even so it, it's more even than what like Microsoft does like with Microsoft uh, phones you know they order a chip from Qualcomm and they order some other components and they run it in Apple's case they're actually designing the hardware themselves you know they're actually you know creating the components and, and, and doing they, they literally control the full stack they're able to to get updates out to people but even they face challenges you know with ios 8 there was it required 4.6 gigabytes of space to update and and plenty of people didn't have them and this is yet another reason why 16 gigabyte iphones need to need to die in a fire (laughs) but like (laughs) but you know they had this problem where i mean we had a a, a article on Mashable. i think it got something like forty thousand shares about how to do an update without losing your stuff. And the answer was to use iTunes. But there were so many people who didn't have the free space on their phone. And rather than thinking, oh, I've got to delete my photos or do other stuff, you know, they just did an update from iOS 7. And so for iOS 9, they were able to lower the upgrade size down to 1.6 gigabytes. And so they were able to, to make it much, much smaller. And they saw the upgrade, you know, percentage go way, way up. And I think that that was probably an important lesson for them internally to realize offering the updates you know, over the air and, and helping people install them automatically, that's not enough. It's also got to be able to be done in a way that is not going to interfere with, with how people use their phones. People are truly lazy. <laughs> well, and not not even that. I mean, I think in, in the case with iOS 8, I wouldn't even call it lazy. I would say, you know, how many people have a phone but don't use a computer all the time or don't have enough space on their computer to mm. want to deal with iTunes? And frankly, having to use iTunes is not a great experience. Having to that's update fair. through iTunes is not a great experience. So in some cases, it might be laziness. In that case, I actually don't think it is. In that case, I think it was a matter of you've been selling phones for years that are too small for what people use them for, and now you your operating system needs needs too much space for people to be able to hold um, to get your update. So they had to make some some real engineering you know um, moves, which were smart. They had to clear caches in certain ways and, and get download files into a certain size, and and but that was an important thing for them to do, and they and they recognized that. And I have to give them credit for that, even if they you know have sold phones with too small storage for too long. I have to give them, I have to give them way, way significant amounts of, of credit for, for recognizing that the Delta of, of updates dropped with iOS eight and recognizing that that's not a good position for them to be in because that hurts the security for everyone and, and, and making those inroads to make it better. Christina, do you remember that? Like trying to, I remember for me, I didn't have space on my phone. So I like, I had to download this giant file from my Mac and install it. It was, it was terrible. That was the worst yeah. update I'd ever had. It needs to die. It, it needs to go. <laughs> it's time has passed. <laughs> no more 16 gig iPhones, but yeah, but no, they, they made that so much better. So, I mean, I walked away pretty impressed with with what they're doing, and and um, you know, talking to people who were you know super smart um, and and getting kind of their insights. You know, 
it's 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 good. They and and they recognize there are always things they could do to be more secure, and there are, there are things they could do to improve. But I I do fundamentally get the sense that this is something that is not lip service for them as a company. This is something they care very very strongly about because they know how important it is to their reputation to their customers and 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 they know that people store so many important things on their phones they need to do everything they can to keep that safe from from the threat and 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 I think that is very valid for many of us to consider a potential threat to be government agencies and, and entities that want to access our privacy or want to litigate against encryption. I think that's a very big problem area. But I do think that it's important to also recognize that right now the biggest threat is is these um, are hackers and people who have a tremendous amount of uh, you know money at stake to, to get zero days and to find ways into their phones. And 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 I was very relieved to know that Apple is firmly aware of this and that. You know they're they're doing what they can to to make things better. I also it was interesting to learn about iMessage, and I'd love to kind of hear you guys' thoughts on that. Just to know how the the end to end encryption on that works was really fascinating for me because I didn't know how deep it went. And 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 there are some people who kind of criticize them and say, well, you know, they might really still have a key. We don't know, you know. Uh, but and, and and for those people, I would say, well, then 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 use Telegram or use Signal. You know, th- those are apps that you can use if you really want to be assured of all that stuff. But I think that for for you know general purposes, just the thing the the, the things they've gone through um, what, to, to add into an encryption for iMessage, which has been there from the beginning, is really important. And I think that that's. You know, we, we talk a lot. WhatsApp uh, a couple of weeks ago just announced end-to-end encryption, and, and Viber announced it this week, and that's really important um, that that's happening. But I think that it's Apple has actually set a really good standard there, where they've been doing this for years now uh, across all their devices. And uh, I just love the world that they're living in, where it's like, okay, so Apple is going to tell you that they are specifically not keeping some information, which means if they're lying, they're opening themselves up to massive class action liability, like huge. And on top of that, like they're going to spend all the money to store it and all the backend and legal stuff going on with it. So what do you think is more likely that the people that understand Apple, like Christine Warren, that understand the company, like are telling you, oh, this doesn't seem so likely, guys, or that they're secretly taking on all this liability behind the scenes, and you're just you've got it, Mulder. You've got it. You got it. Apple's <laughs> out to out to do it. It's just I understand like the concern there, but it's just there there's concern and there's concern that makes no sense. <laughs> and that just I, I never understand that, Christina. It's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, people want to be paranoid and then they, they want to believe in conspiracy theories. And look, I'm not saying that they shouldn't because, again, we say these things, but then we we say this and, and, and I agree with you. But then we we find out, you know, Blackberry gave their private key to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for five oh. years. You know what I mean? Like the company that literally puts its entire reputation on privacy and is like, oh, the, the president uses our phones. And they're like. Well, we had a single key for pin messaging. I know it's not the same as BBM. BlackBerry fans don't attack me. I, I, I know there's a difference. It doesn't mean the fact that they had this antiquated type of pin messaging that was not end-to-end encrypted and that they kept a single key and that they gave it to the government. In this case, though, I think you're dead on, Brie. Like, if they were saying where it's end-to-end encrypted and it wasn't actually end-to-end encrypted, I, the fallout from that would just be so huge when they could just pull a BlackBerry and not claim to be end-to-end encrypted with their messaging. 
Mm. Yeah, look at Kanye. Look at Kanye. Look at what happens if you make stuff up and you say your product is X. It's not true. You get sued. You get sued. You get sued. You get sued because Life of Pablo finally came to Spotify and Apple Music. Um, and everybody was like, I subscribed to title for that. And, yeah. But you know, the, but the irony for me was that my, my free title subscription, I had like a two-month subscription, uh, when uh, Rihanna's album Anti came out, um, Samsung bought like a million copies and, and, and I redeemed it and got a free copy and then got a two-month subscription to title, and then like two weeks before it was supposed to end, they were like, oh, we're going to extend it another two weeks. And then like literally like that was like the week that like Pablo finally came to Apple Music and Spotify. And then I still had another two weeks left of my title thing. And I was like, I don't even need this now. But thanks. Thank- thanks for thanks for the Beyonce single. Thanks for formation. Thanks for anti. And thanks for, you know, the first month with, with the life of Pablo. But now I don't need it because it's on music services I actually want to pay for. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. All right, shall we shall we wrap up? This was this was a meaty show today. We had a lot of a lot, information here. I feel full. Here. I feel yeah, yeah. sated. I feel you feel sated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've just had enough. No, okay. yeah, I, f- I feel okay. like it was a delightful meal that I have enjoyed. Uh, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Ah, let's see. I'm hanging with San Francisco. I am finishing up some dev stuff. I'm getting some articles done and I'm taking some meetings. Pretty much the same week. I always have Simone to rush for. I'm going to have new stuff to say (laughs) next week to you. Meeting 100 people doing 100 things. But you're going to San Francisco. That's so cool. I hope you have a good time. It's just another week. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Christina, what about you? So I'm finishing my MacBook review. And uh, so that'll be up. And uh, that's that, that's all I've kind of got on my plate for now. I'm excited recovering to from read a that, cold. Actually. Yeah, recovering from uh, my, 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 well, cold slash sinuses. It's, it's allergy season here in New York. It is finally mm. beautiful weather in New York. Welcome to New York, Simone. Um, but, but the pollen is I was going to say, is, is it allergy season? I hadn't noticed. It is. I'm not looking forward to that. If I get allergies, I'm going to be so mad. Well if, you do, well, if you didn't, if, you ha- if you're not already getting them right now, then you're probably okay. Because the pollen's been pretty out of control the last few days. Okay. Oh, I feel so relieved. Thank you. Wow, this makes my day. Ugh. I was thinking today before we recorded, is this the first time we've all been in the same time zone to record Rocket? No, I think there was one. I think the first okay, week that I time. moved to New York, we were in the same time zone. All right. At but least. we didn't record on time that week. Did we not? <laughs> so I don't think <laughs> Do we, we ever? So, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, this, I'm working on writing this week. I have a video going up tomorrow that will be um, of a build that will be shown at PAX East for a game called Masquerada, which is a really cool um, RPG with like tactical combat. You can pause it and like make moves and stuff, and then unpause it and do the real time combat, or you can just do real time combat. It has really cool like Venetian mask aesthetic, and I I, I hope y'all watch it. I'll drop that. Or I guess I'll go up tomorrow morning, so maybe it won't be in the show notes, but maybe it will be. You'll find out <laughs> if you look at the show notes or just Google it. Um, yeah, I've I've been having a great time. We have a coworker visiting from Toronto this week, so we've been we've been out on the town, experiencing oh. life and having a good time. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Uh, cool. Uh, where can we find you online, Christina? 
You can find me at film underscore girl on uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, the like. Uh, do follow me on Snapchat because I, I don't update it all the time. But when I do, especially when I travel, it can be fun. Uh, and by fun, I mean, you know, you see snaps of me waiting in security lines for TSA. Uh, uh, but but you could also sometimes see like rose gold um, MacBooks on the roof literally hour, like literally 45 minutes after they've been bequeathed to me. So so follow me on, on, on those platforms. And you can find my writing and uh, videos at Mashable.com. Are you on Mitelmo? I'm not. Oh, Christina, I'm so disappointed. I know. With you. I downloaded it and I was trying to get into it and I just I couldn't. So I'll tr- I'll I'll do it. I'll do it now. Boy, I'll do, do it I now. have thoughts about that. I do like that. I'm, oh, it's good. It's Brianna. Good. Where can we find you? Only on Mitomo. That's the only am platform I, your, I use. Am I your right friend on Mitomo? Did you? You should be. You should other? be. I have lots of opinions about what my favorite uh, thing about cats are. That you need to read see. on me, Tomo. I just every day. I just logged so, in, so maybe you're in my room right now talking to me. Oh my god! <laughs> stop with the notifications. What what kind of outfit do you have? Because I have a pirate outfit. That's um, that's the look that I decided to go for. So my favorite outfit is the melting butter hat, <laughs> um, and that's really like everything else I can take or leave. But I have this melting butter hat that is everything to me. Um, Oh, who who is this? Oh, it's Caitlin. It's not you. Um, so yeah, that and I have bread shorts, and that's the other thing that's important. Um, and a baby chick outfit, and a baby hat. It's all baby themed for me. I love Mitomo, but I also this is, I have yeah. problems with it. If um, you designed a social network, it would be Mitomo. That's that's just the way it would be. I'm like, literally like yeah. I'm in love with my me. Like the gameplay, I could take or leave. I honestly don't care. But I I have this fierce protectiveness of my me. I love her. She is perfect in every way. I want to talk to her every day. I want to dress her up in little clothes. Um, I'm looking at her face right now, and I honestly feel the warmth that a parent must feel when they see their child. So that's that's my update for you. You can find me on Mitomo as well. Don't friend me because I probably right. won't friend you back because I have a lot of friends and they the UI is terrible. So <laughs> can't sort through all my friends. Got too many freaking friends. Um, take or leave them too. They're all right. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar um, and on Polygon.com. You can find my stuff. Find my all vids. Right. Thanks cool. for listening to this episode of Rocket. Uh, we hope you liked it, and we'll be back with you next week. If you Terminated. liked it, as I hope you did, please review us on iTunes. <laughs> I had a little bit of lag there with my mouth um, and my brain. Uh, please review us on iTunes. We super love when things like that happen, especially when they are good. But be honest with yourself. Um, be honest about how much you love us, because we feel that Truth will lead you to happiness. That is our message here on Rocket. Uh, This episode is terminated. 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 Terminated.